Welcome to the Battle Buddy Podcast with Keith McKeever. Hey there, I've got an awesome guest with me today, Marshall Tarrant from the Vetrepreneur Tribe and the Warrior Council on Facebook. If you're a veteran entrepreneur and you're not aware of it, you're missing a good opportunity. 16,000, I think, plus members in this group. A great Warrior Council. It's a mastermind group beyond it. Uh, before I bring Marshall in, I just want to say make sure you hit that like and subscribe button to follow us. And if you're into entrepreneur stuff, you're definitely going to want to follow uh, Marshall and, and his journey there. So, Marshall, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, glad to have you here. So uh, tell us a little bit about your story. Who was young Marshall? What did you do in the military? Those kind of things. Yeah, I'll make it uh, pretty brief. Um, I was born and raised in Las Vegas. You know, the typical kid that, um, you know, got in a little bit of trouble. Um, wasn't the best student, but it's not because I wasn't smart. It's just that I lacked discipline. Um, end up joining the Marine Corps at 17. Got a big O's and, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and my military experience summed up as, you know, I, I, I just happened to be a jarhead in Ramadi during the Anbar Awakening in 2007. Um, that is uh, a big part of my, you know, I was a year over there, so it was a big part of my, my time. Um, I ended up getting out shortly after that. Um, I did a, sh- shortly after that, uh, went back into the reserves for a year uh, with Third Anglico out of California, um, and then decided to um, hang it up completely. Um, I just became a dad, um, and my daughter was, I think, a couple months old when the unit was taking volunteers for Afghanistan. Um, this is right after I got back from Ramadi. Um, and when I realized that I wasn't willing to volunteer or I was conflicted and not sure about volunteering, that's when I was like, you know what, that's, that's all I need to know about myself. It's time to just hang it up completely. So I ended up getting out officially in 2010, like completely done with the reserves as well. Um, and then got into um, th- a couple different odd jobs. You know, I was like a food runner on the Las Vegas Strip. Um, I sold cars for a little bit for a Chevy dealership. You know, just the typical veteran story of just feeling lost, trying to find my place um, in this. Honestly, it's a new world, right? Like the military experience versus the civilian experience is completely different. Um, you know, I ended up landing in the retail business, um, which is something that I still do today. Um, over the past, what was it, 12 years now, um, it's been evolving into different areas. Um, you know, I started off. In the, in the mall kiosk industry. Um, so those annoying people that stop you and you're walking by the mall, um, there's actually some pretty good money in it. Um, and that's where I kind of got started. Um, and it's grown today to where um, I currently own uh, six oxygen bars on the Las Vegas Strip. Uh, there's three, or soon to be four in Orlando, where I currently reside in Orlando. So a total 10 oxygen bars, which... Um, as a combination between inline store spaces and common area, I wouldn't call them kiosks, but uh, common area structures and shopping centers like the Venetian um, fashion show mall in Las Vegas um, here at icon park in Orlando with the big wheel as we have a store. Um, so still a combination of common area, I guess you can say kiosk um, operations and inline stores. Um, and we also take products that we sell out of those stores and we take them and we, we take them on the road and we sell them at different um, home shows. State fairs are a big one. Um, any kind of um, you know activation at any kind of large events. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Just before you continue that, I'm just curious, what is an oxygen bar? 
because yeah, I, I knew I that was coming. the only one I'm going <laughs> to ask, you know, know what a bar is. I've been in a few of those, but. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So an, an oxygen bar is a concept that is very similar to think of it like a modern express spa in a way. So um, we don't employ massage therapists, but we do use over the counter um, methods um, to get a, a very fast and efficient um I guess, release or relief or, or relaxation as possible. Um, and one of those products is the actual oxygen station. So uh, a person sits down for about 15 to 20 minutes are the sessions. You get hooked up to a nasal cannula, just like in the hospital, and you breathe in 90% oxygen. Uh, this is very good for headaches, hangover, jet lag, fatigue. Um, overall, you feel a sense like you just woke up from a nap. So like, for example, in Orlando, you spend all day in the Disney theme parks or Universal theme park, and you remember that you made dinner reservations at 730 or eight, and you're exhausted from the heat all day. And you're like, oh my God, between the kids and the family and like, uh, how am I going to make it to dinner? We are a very good option for you to kind of, you know, 15, 20 minutes before dinner or, or starting the night, essentially kind of feeling like refreshed, like you're ready to, to carry on with the rest of the day. Um, on top of that, we have water massage machines that are not like the ones at the gyms where they, they spray up, um, but they actually spray down and there are a lot, there's a lot more pressure. Um, and it, you can basically get a massage for 15 minutes and these water massage machines that you don't get wet all, by the way, there's like a waterproof barrier, uh, but you can get a massage within 15 minutes. That's equivalent to about 40 to 45 minutes worth of worth of work, uh, with an, uh, when an actual massage therapist would, would do the work. Um, aside from that, there's all different kinds of wellness products. You know, we got into, um, uh, you know, like healthy vapes, like a B12 uh, vape or a, a melatonin vape, uh, different massagers, different muscle therapy, massage guns. It's, uh, we have, we got an interesting product mix, but it's all, uh, related to, uh, you know, over the counter, you know, wellness, um, pain relief, things like that. Refresh, recharge, that kind of thing. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. And so what, what other, uh, you've got other business ventures that you've been involved in outside of that or. Yeah. So before, um, I really pushed, uh, oh, so a little bit of a story. So I was in retail, um, for a while. Um, I was very trade show heavy. Um, I had an opportunity to be a partner in a Florida solar company, um, where I was a part of a, uh, it's called golden solar in Florida, uh, for about three years. Um, where I handled all of the in-house sales and the the, uh, the sales process and the marketing side of the company because the company was very reliant on an outside sales organizations or what we call, a, I don't know, call them a prime contractor because they're not really a contractor, but essentially outside entities that were sales and marketing organizations just give us contracts and deals. There's a lot of quality control issues that kind of came up with that and frustrations. Um, so I had an opportunity to kind of go on board and, um, and build more of an inside sales uh, team for more control. Um, and the company ended up um, doing very, very well. Um, I ended up leaving and resigning in 2020, um, largely because of um, the opportunity of the oxygen bars uh, came up to where that was a, a company that I knew of, um, but I actually bought it in um, late 2019. Um, and I knew that even though it was already an existing running business, um, that there, I was conflicted to where I, I knew that more of my future was going to be growing the auction of our business. Um, and then as we all know, COVID hit, uh, I had an interesting, you know, COVID story. Um, I think needs to be said, I, 
um, as I resigned from Golden Solar um, in terms of a de, uh, on the, an executive position, I uh, at the same time uh, started our or built a new store out in Las Vegas. It was the first store expansion since buying the company, and I actually ended up taking a cash out refinance in my primary residence uh, to fund it. Um, so we opened about, keep in mind, this is a 1700 square foot store. Um, it's what we, we, someone would call a flagship store, um, double the size of the oxygen bar, double the size of the, of the, uh, aqua massage beds that we typically have. And, um, we opened March 1st and then March 20th, I think 18th, 17th, something along those lines, COVID hit and Las Vegas strippers shut down everywhere. We shut down. Right. So that was a very scary time to navigate. Um, as time went on through COVID, this is something that is, uh, I think a lot of people can take with them or, or a mindset to, that people need to really understand in business is there's a Warren Buffett quote that stuck in the back of my mind. And that was when everybody, when everybody else or, or the, I'm going to butcher it here, but it's like when the masses are fearful, be greedy. When the masses are greedy, then be fearful. And I, that was in the back of my mind when I saw COVID playing out and I saw as a retailer, and I'm sure you've noticed, like if you've ever been shopping, like during the, like right after COVID reopenings, there was a lot of empty storefronts. There was a lot of businesses that were retailers that kind of just, they quit, they want to move on to other stuff or they couldn't sustain for whatever reason. So I, I saw locations here in Orlando that I could never even dream of getting into before COVID. Um, let a, like forget the concept that I had, but even just um, real estate space in general for commercial leasing. Um, so what we did is when everything was very unsure that then initial reopening of 2020, um, we ended up um, expanding and was able to grow in Orlando through COVID when, and we knew that like, look, we might lose a little bit of money or we might, break even let's just try our best even the break even for the next year or two until things get back to normal again like we knew it would pay off eventually when things get you know quote unquote back to normal um and that ended up snowballing to where we we expanded into the icon park orlando then we expanded into um the international premium outlet centers here which is our huge international uh hubs uh for tourism here so um through covid when a lot of people, there's a lot of uncertainty. Like, yes, we had uncertainty at first, but um, after the reopening started happening, we actually be became very aggressive expanding because we knew that was a prime opportunity to do so because so many other retailers were, um, you know, they were actually closing. I noticed a lot of that in my area. It wasn't just retailers. It was restaurants too. Businesses sure. that had yeah. been in business for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And they just mm -hmm. closing down doors, you know, when everybody's stuck at home and ordering their groceries, nobody's mm -hmm. going out to eat everybody's buying on Amazon instead of going to the small business. Yep. You know, it's, um, that was hard, you know, and I've, I have seen probably in the last year, I've seen more restaurants come in and more places open up and people taking that step and saying, Hey, I'm going to start a business now. There's all yeah. these storefronts that are still open in some places. So, you know, take, take that gamble, put your foot on yeah. the gas when you can. So you have to, I mean, that's, that's essentially entrepreneurship, right? It's just throwing crap against the wall and seeing what sticks. And, uh, I call it a, in my, my jarhead terminology, you know, uh, like zeroing in a rifle, you know, making sure you get a tight grouping and then you just adjust 
you know, on target as long as you're grouping solid and you just keep adjusting and shoot, adjust, shoot, adjust until you're zeroed in. I mean, that's really all business is, right? It's, it's a, there's always an element of not exactly knowing how it's going to work out, but you can just take the information of trying and then adjust and, and keep pressing forward. I think all you can do is just plan mm-hmm. and fail <laughs> and adjust yeah. and keep moving along and just keep trying other stuff. Yeah, you know, absolutely. The, the, the failing is a big part of it. And uh, yeah. I mean, that's talked about a lot on different, different places that mm-hmm. you, you have to embrace failure. I mean, you don't want to fail, but you have mm-hmm. to, you have to fail enough to learn and continue to grow. But we call it the, we call it the cost of tuition. Yeah, Anytime absolutely. there's a failure. You know, and it's financial related as an entrepreneur. That's, that's our cost of tuition. You know, for me, I never, uh, I dropped out of college on the way, um, to the degree path. And I just, I, there was too much opportunity in the entrepreneur world at the time for me to, to justify finishing it from a time perspective. But now I, I just know like whenever I fail or something, there's a setback, it's just the cost of tuition. It's no different than someone paying, you know, six figures for a doc- a medical degree. Right. Yep. So, um, you know, but I, you know, on that point, man, I, um, I'm very blessed. I'm very lucky the way that I've structured my, my company, my business, I've got a phenomenal, um, partner in my company who handles more of the operational side. Now, um, I am blessed with very good management. Um, that is, I was able to build through, you know, relationships. Um, and so I'm at a point now to where I have a lot of time to work on the business versus in the business. And that's where I've kind of pivoted towards um, the vet, the vetpreneur tribe that we talked about. Um, that's more of more of a passion project because I think that my transition experience was a lot harder than it needed to be, and not from like, um, well, yeah, I mean, it's all related. Personal growth and, and business growth is actually related, but um, there's so many lessons learned from from my transitioning from 2008 and staying being in the reserves and being finally done in 2010. Um, to now that the internet and social media and online communities were not existent back then. Like if I would have had the network of people at my fingertips that I have today back then, it could have saved me a ton of time, stress, uh, you know, money, like the whole nine. So um, the vetpreneur tribe is, uh, is an online community of veteran entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs. Um, it started on Facebook uh, by somebody else and it's kind of changed hands twice since then. Um, and it's something that I'm very passionate about because as veterans, we have a very unique place in our society. And we knew all of the benefits of joining the military um, and, and serving for what it would give us, you know, in in terms of experience or, or opportunities, things like that. But there, there's not a lot of understanding of, of how you do, how do you take that into the goals and dreams that you have? And one things that I've noticed is that a lot of veterans, you know, we, we're very proud, right? Um, We're also very lost at times because not only are you, growing as an as a human being let's just be honest like just getting older and these and and going through the different phases of life regardless of military experience is already hard enough to navigate then you compound your individual military experience um it can add a other layer of complexity and as veterans we're very we're very initially distrusting 
but like once we have each other's trust, then we'll we'll bend over backwards for each other, right? But there's that initial distrust because I think the we've learned that being a veteran really doesn't mean as much as we thought it would. We've learned the hard way because we've had maybe experiences that we've been let down or disappointed by certain figures. Um, and that's just a result of the community being so big and diverse. The veteran community is a reflection of the country. It's, it is big. Yes. It's small compared to the population, but it's still a lot of people. There's a lot of diverse people in different path of life, different beliefs, things like that. Yeah. There's almost so, like uh, I think I saw stats somewhere about 19 million veterans, give or take. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, that's, that's a lot of different, that's a lot of people, you know, 10% yeah. are women, something like that. You know, it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's yeah. A lot of, a lot of different, uh, things brought to the table there. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, I, I really, I, I love to see, and I, and I want to see veterans thrive in whatever goals that they are. And one thing I love is nobody, nobody has the same goals. Like, and a lot of them are very humble where they don't, you know, some civilian side aspiring entrepreneurs, they just, all they see is dollar signs. They want to be flashy. They want to have money, things like this. And on the veteran side, I see it's a lot more, um, they just want to be happy or they just want to have, uh, you know, security in their business, you know, things like that. So a lot of them and their hearts in the right place. But the, the biggest thing I'm trying to break through in the veteran community is that is we need to be treating our, our veteran service or military service as, an alumni group. Like if I go to college and I join any kind of association or fraternity um, or even just graduate from the specific, you know, university and I get a, a cold message in LinkedIn from someone who is an alumni from the same school and there's going to be an instant amount of trust, especially if they're in the same fraternity there's, and I don't see that same level of cooperation with each other than in other professional groups like that. And that's something that I really want to see change. And part of that change comes from more open and honest dialogue and, and being more vulnerable with each other about the issues that we may face. Because from my position, when I, when I, when I network and I talk to veterans from all over the space and even um, not even just veterans, but people that are in NGOs that are trying to help, um, you know, veteran causes, it's, it's a lot of, it's a recurring theme. And that is, their the identity that you have of the military is something that is a reflection of your past and not of your future so a lot of a lot of people need to understand that you you really have to mentally grow and shed that military skin and not stay within that the confines or the box of being a veteran because it actually holds you back more when you are when when you associate the military as your a big part of your identity and you only want to uh, have your social circles or, or business networking done within the, the veteran community, you are holding your back for, or you're holding yourself back from like so much more opportunity and honestly a lot more happiness in my opinion. Part of the beauty of, of this human condition that we all suffer from is experiencing things that um, we're not used to or that we are um, I'm trying to find the right words. Uh, you know, just, just overall putting ourselves out there and, and being more open to new things that, that we might be afraid of or, or have anxiety of, of thinking about pursuing. You know, I have conversations all the time that are unpopular. I like you want to talk, like, for example, we'll talk about the made in China stuff. Like 
I talk to veterans all the time and they're like, Oh, products made in China. Screw that. I'll, I'm going to buy hundred percent American. I'm like, I agree with that to a certain extent, to a certain extent. But the, the, but the reality is that because of the internet, we live in a global economy. Yeah. It's been a global economy. For a and while. you can, you can, you can fight economics all you want because of your pride and principle, or you can learn to benefit from it and take the extra margin that you could get from Chinese products and funnel it into either gainful employment from a veteran or veteran causes. There's a lot of ways that you can benefit from it. Like, you know, I had a conversation with someone who um, was talking about virtual assistants and I have a virtual assistant team in the Philippines that I found shortly after reading the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss, which is a phenomenal read by the way. Um, and they completely changed my life. I got so much of my time back when I started outsourcing, um, you know, recurring tasks to virtual assistants. And I had this conversation with someone about like, Oh, but you're, you know, you're sending money overseas to the Philippines. I'm like, number one, this team works harder than most Americans that I've, that I've been involved with. I've, I've very, I'm very seldom disappointed. And when I am, they have immense guilt when they make a mistake. And they're people too. I, they deserve to make they're, a, they're people a, a, too. A wage, you know, and I've, they're not Americans. And, and, they're people. And, 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 and I've watched this person, uh, the main, the main manager now of the team, I've watched this person go from living in like almost third world conditions, you know, bathing their baby with a, a bucket of water to living in like what's the equivalent of like middle class or upper class Davo city in a gated community in a real house. So it's almost like I've sponsored or, or that I've, I've actually made a huge difference in, in, in someone's life. Um, and it works well, but you know, it, it's, that's the biggest thing that I see. I see so many veterans holding on to so many aspects of their identity or ways of thinking because of the military experience. And they think that it's a, it's a positive, and there's certain things about it that's a positive, but you get you have to have the self awareness to know what aspects to shed, given the 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 world that we live in. I mean, it constantly changes, constantly changes. Here, I know I'm ranting, but I mean, even from a marketing standpoint or a branding standpoint, you know, whatever. I I t weekly, I I'm like, get off of Facebook. The community needs to go to the Discord or Telegram, or we need to be more active on other platforms. Facebook is dying. Is becoming the, the the platform for old people. I hate to say that because I started off on Facebook. It took me forever to get active on Instagram, but as as especially our you know our OIF um, you know OEF generation and older, like we we're so big on setting our ways of on on Facebook. But I'm I watch so many different industries and. Facebook is like one of the worst. I mean, it's just, you can't, there's so many other ways. I mean, every young person's on TikTok. I know we joke about it and laugh about it, but it's true. Depends on your target demographic. And if you look, um, the, the most successful people out there that are at least doing an online based business or even, even brick and mortar with some brands, they're on TikTok or even they're on Twitch. I never even, I heard the word Twitch like a year ago. And I was like, okay, whatever. And then I finally, in the past two months, have it's opened my eyes to how big of a deal Twitch is when it comes to exposure. Like it's like Twitch and uh, TikTok right now are like the last two platforms where you can get like real organic growth without paying for it, right? So yeah, but a lot of people have a problem with being on video. There's a lot oh, it of took me forever. Have a really hard time. I was I was the same way. Like I I really. 
I, I really, for many years, struggled with maintaining that that concept of being a silent professional and and putting myself out there. Like me, a year ago, I would not be doing this podcast. Like I, I was terrified of being on video. But there's a saying like the obstacle is the way. If something makes you uncomfortable, you need to understand it's for a reason, and there's growth that happens from it. Period. Like it nobody does that really better than veterans. I mean, we all go through basic training, boot camp, whatever your branch calls it. But there's obstacles, right? And the whole thing <laughs> is to break you down and build you up and make you uncomfortable all the time. And what's what's it do? Makes it sharper. I you know I agree, but I think that there's I can't obviously no one can speak for all veterans, right? But I um I know for me in my experience is that I knew that at joining the military at such a young age, I joined at 17, that it was going to set me up for success in a lot of different ways, a lot of different avenues, and that I would leave the service a step ahead of a lot of my peers, which I did. But what is not talked about in the recruiting, you know, the recruiting side or even when active duty is because, frankly, they just don't know, um, is what you do with after that time is so pivotal. Like, so pivotal, excuse me. Like, I was just last week was the DOD warrior games here in Orlando. Um, I invested in a company called signs by veterans. Um, Justin Myers, um, the pirate, the infamous pirate hunter. Um, he's, he runs the day to day. Uh, and he came out and we sponsored an athlete. Um, and we went to the games and we watched it. We networked a little bit. We ended up having dinner with, this, uh, I'm not going to name names, um, because he's, he's an E nine from 29 years in the Navy. Um, I mean, he's very high, high up there. And we had a conversation at dinner that blew my mind because even someone who's been in the service that long has that much military experience still is lost on what to expect of transitioning or getting out. They still have the same unknowns that let's say if, if four years in, in getting out. Um, so like people that are currently active duty, like they're still living the active duty life. They, they don't, they really can't speak on, you know, how to properly set someone up the transition. And the longer they've been you know, in, the harder it's going to be too. I've mentioned this many times on this podcast that if you've been in for 20, 25, 30 years, mm-hmm. well, even if you've been in 20 years and you joined at 18, that's literally half your life is in that military system. That's all you know. Other yeah, half high school in the military. Power. Exactly. So mm-hmm. you don't know civilian life at all. At least if you get out at 22, 23, 25, whatever, you're you're young mm-hmm. enough to mm-hmm. to have, I'm not going to say less problems, but you potentially yeah. have less problems in transition because you weren't yeah, in true. it at all. Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely true. And, you know, there's that period when you get out, that is so important because you, when you're in you, if, as long as you're not a dirt bag, right. You actually care about picking up rank. You actually care about um, contributing to the unit and the mission readiness. And so you actually spend, uh, even if it's four years, like I, I was one of the few that it was able to get E5 within four years, largely because it was a combat environment, like in the Iraq days, like promotions were easier, but um, I still was able to get E5 within four years of, of leaving after duty. Um, and it's something that is not easy. You, you work hard for that, you know, those kind of things. And then you get these accomplishments in the military and then you get out and then it's almost like you have to like start from scratch again. Like you, you're like, you're literally restarting 
and you just spent four years going through crazy amounts of ups and downs and, and, and hard work just to feel like you have to figure it all out again. But the difference is that you don't have an NCO that can mentor you as you get acclimated or get used to um, or, or chart out the path that you want in your life. When you check into your unit in active duty, you have an NCO in charge of you to kind of hold your hand and hold you accountable and keep you on the straight and narrow. You don't, you don't have that when you get out. So all these people that get joined the military for a, a lot of different reasons, some of them is just the, for self-improvement, the serve and for self-improvement. They don't have that. So it's from my perspective, I'm trying to get as many young veterans and, and even active duty that are leaving soon to, to participate and get involved in our community because I want to be able to have that for them. I want guys like me, guys like you, guys that have walked this path and to learn from our lessons learned. That way some of the same mistakes are not repeated. So that's, that's the overall goal of the, of the Veterinary tribe. Um, you know, the, the Facebook community is, you know, about 16,800 now. Um, we're trying to move to, and, um, you know, other methods, uh, we have the warrior council, which is a mastermind group <clears throat> that meets every Wednesday. That's still or every Thursday, excuse me, on a zoom call. And uh, that's still very much in its infancy stage. And I, my goal is to really take veterinary tribe to a level that it's a, almost an official association um, nationally or even globally, that it's, it's something that, um, I think everyone that I speak to sees the potential in it and they are surprised that it's not done yet, but it just creates, it, it, it takes people coming together. Like how many, like Keith, how many people do you know out here that it seems like we're all say the same thing. Our messages are very similar, but there's not a lot of collaboration. It's like so many people are doing That's the same. Point. Well, you know, yeah. and if you really look at the nonprofit space, not to pick on them, yeah. there's a lot in the nonprofit space. There's a lot of people that are, and I'm not knocking it, but there's a lot of people in equine therapy. There's a lot of people in outdoor adventures, mm -hmm. you know, food pantries and homelessness and all this stuff. And, and in some cases I see a little collaboration, mm -hmm. but in a lot of them, it's like, no, this is the way I do it. And that's how they do it. And that's how they do it. And it's great to have those things all over the place, but, you know, when, when the goal is to end homelessness, suicide, and substance abuse among our ranks, sharing and collaborating is the best way to, to do that. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I, you know, I'm, I'm not extremely well-versed in the, in the nonprofit space, but I can tell you part of, part of the homelessness and part of these issues that come up is is that gap of getting out and not having that community anymore. Right. And like, even in the, even in the vetpreneur tribe, like if someone comes in, they want to start a business and they fail, which happens. Most businesses fail. Right. And, and for my opinion, you know, you either win or you learn, there is no failure until you quit. So it's a good point. Yeah. If, if they fail, because my first business failed, my first kiosk failed horribly. I closed it in a month and a half. And they need to get a job to regroup and they need to um, like save saving money again, re, you know, regroup, educate themselves more. Like there's nothing wrong with that. And that event could be very depressing. Failing in your first business can create like an insane amount of depression um, because you can beat yourself up. You can get discouraged. And 
some, you know, that could lead with not in the right community that could lead down the road of, of not a good, you know, not a good life if they're not in the right support system. Right. I think you can almost make the argument that too much success too early can also set people up. They get one big failure and it's not really kind of catastrophic, but they view it as because they've had all the success. Yeah, that is true. Like if you get it, I mean, this to be honest, some people get a little lucky and then they don't know yeah. they haven't navigated the ups and the downs. Yeah. Yeah. They hit, they hit one speed bump and it's just a little speed bump, but it, it just derails everything because they haven't, they haven't had any problems to have to overcome yet. But anyway, I mean, I've seen, seen both of those play out in the five. I think I've been in the tribe for about five years. I've been in the warrior council for about two now. So mm-hmm. see people fail, come and go, you know, and I think that, each one of those scenarios has, has played out at least once or twice. I think, uh, no, you're absolutely right. Um, and I think a lot of veterans that are in the, in the entrepreneur space, you have to realize that it's, these are harsh words, but it is what it is like, but we're not special. Like we, we have a common identity. We have a common, we have, we have something in common because of our military experience, but we're not like, we're not so special that we, because of our military experience, we're going to excel in like anything that we touch. There are certain traits that we have that become more natural, natural. In my opinion, as a lot of it's based on what your rank was or what your role was or what your job was. Like if, if I meet someone and they say, Oh, I did four years active and I never made it higher than E3. I'm going to like, I'm not going to immediately judge them, but I'm going to ask questions of like, okay, what was your job? You know, what would you do? But if I met someone else and they're like, Oh yeah, I got out as an E4. Um, you know, within four years, even though it's one rank difference, there's a huge difference in responsibility and well, depending on the branch, um, you know, re- responsibility and what the expectations was and what they did, you know, you just kind of like, you can kind of tell where, where someone's at. Cause at the end of the day, we're still, you know, we're all humans and depending on the length of our military service, it's actually a small percentage of our overall life. If you really oh, yeah. think about it. Right. So, um, and guys that get out and, and females too, um, you know, if they do for unless young and get out early, like hell, you're still you're still learning how to be a man or a woman, let alone like like all the other stuff. Like just to be honest, like you're still growing up. Like I, I look back at myself in my twenties, like and I thought I was so grown up already because of my military experience. And almost it was almost like a false confidence. Like I um my work ethic was crazy and it was there's a lot of good traits that came from that, but I was like, so like mentally in a different place. than I think that I am now, um, largely because of, of I've had more time since the military experience and I've really learned to, to appreciate my military experience for what, it, for what it is, but it's still at the end of the day, it's something that you cannot attach your identity to. And most guys, they fail to get out of the circumstances that they're in or, or they fail to get past the disappointments that they have in their life because they are not mentally, shedding that that military skin right like the only when i walk around in town or i'm out nobody can tell that i'm a military veteran um unless they look at my tags like my 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 license plate like it's just um that's the way that it kind of should be to be honest with you because i think the veteran if you're not careful broadcasting that you're a veteran uh just like i said before it, it limits you but depending on 
you know, your demeanor, your communication skills, everything like that, it could actually kind of put you even worse in a box in your community because they're going to be nice to you because you're the veteran, but they might not, they, they might not be as comfortable with you. If you, if you give off that, like disgruntled veteran energy, you know what I mean? Oh man, that's, I see a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like I've got my battle buddy podcast t-shirt on, but I very rarely, sometimes I wear my hats. But most of the time, I'm, I'm wearing a dress shirt, so I'm not walking around with a hat on. Yeah. But my plates, same thing. But I don't put bumper stickers on my car. I don't cover yeah. with it. I'm pretty open about my service and stuff with mm-hmm. this podcast, and I kind of openly talk about that and what my mission is. But um, some of those disgruntled people, man, it's 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 sad. It's like you know, you got it your whole life, like you said. No matter how long you serve, if you serve 20 years. You get out at 38 to 40 years old, you still have another 20, 25, maybe 30 mm-hmm. years of retirement. That is a whole career left. That's yep. a whole massive chapter of your life. Then you got retirement and whatnot. But another thing you kind of mentioned earlier that, that I feel like I need to hit on is you kind of mentioned, you know, ribbon and ribbons and ranks, right? Mm-hmm. The moment you get out, nobody cares about that. Civilians don't know what any of it means. Mm-hmm. They care less. They really don't care. And that's how you identify people when you're in is you give them respect based on that rank, maybe even more respect in the person if they're a good person yeah, and what they've accomplished. But outside of it, it doesn't freaking matter. It doesn't matter. You know, so, that, that colonel <laughs> or that retired general is a, is a man or woman just like you. They put their clothes on the same way. So funny story real quick. I, that dinner I was telling you about is with Justin Myers and um, – that active duty uh, Navy gentleman and the, the 29 years E9 and we're talking and we're talking about awards for a second, like the politics involved in the award system. And I was like, Hey guys, a uh, question. I got a random like message a couple of years ago from a friend of mine saying that like, Hey, check your, uh, check your records because we just got a, a new award and I've been out forever. Like, okay. I was like, do you guys know what a knuck is? Or like, like, is that significant? And both of them look at me and they're like, that's a really big deal. Like a Navy unit commendation medal is a really big deal. Like you guys got a knuck. I was like, yeah, it was just so funny to see you guys have like, like their face or like how, what they thought of it, you know, but like just to head on your point, like I've been out for so long, like it literally means nothing. Like there's no, it doesn't change yeah. my life or there's no impact on it. And it's the million years that like, what's that mean? Yeah. They don't yeah. care. They don't know what the difference between a. They don't know what the difference is between a an accommodation medal, an achievement medal, a mm-hmm. bronze star, silver star. They don't know. I mean, they they probably yeah. know what the medal of honor is, but there's not that many people walking around with one of those. So, yeah. uh, and they don't really care. Like the civilian population mm-hmm. is here to support us, but they're not going to give us too much extra. Like yeah, oh, it's socially it's a support you too much brother it's a, it's a social courtesy at this point like i've and the truth of the matter is like we talk about like the the dysfunctional veteran side we need to have firmer harsher conversations we still need to be polite and gentlemen about the conversation obviously but we need to not be so afraid to walk on eggshells uh because it affects us all if we're all going to say that we're veterans a bad experience with another veteran affects the overall community and how they deal with another veteran. Right. So like 
maybe it's the Marine in me, but like Marine Corps was very strict on like how you represented the Marine Corps and you know how you weren't allowed to wear your, your fatigues outside of base. Like you were not, there was very big on how, uh, like, cause they say you represented the entire core. And like, that's why I kind of view being a veteran is like, I take it very serious. If I interact with someone who's never really been around a veteran, um, especially when they're fascinated by my Iraq experience, I actually try even harder to be more charming, more of a gentleman, more of an, just a normal human being or downplay or be humble about my military experience because they might, if to somebody else, they could maybe, you know, not make it not so much of a pleasant experience. Um, and like some of the, like some of the dysfunction side that we see, like I, I personally, I call them vet flakes. It's a term that I've heard before I stole from somebody, I like um, that. but it's true. Like, it's just, you know, if you're, if, if, if you're whining about how you should get something for free or that the, the, the country or the world owes you something just because you made a personal decision to join the military, which let's be honest, sometimes it's because of their circumstances. Just call it what it is. There's nothing wrong with that, but you made that personal decision. Like the world doesn't owe you anything after that. Like, or the country doesn't owe you, they owe you courtesy and respect in my opinion. But I mean, should you be feel some kind of way because you don't get a discount at a certain business or should you, I mean, I, I can go on and on, you know, oh, I can go on and on about some of the discounts, especially on veterans day. There's a reason <laughs> no, I don't go take advantage of, uh, I mean, I think I've been to little Caesars a couple of times cause you know, went out for lunch, but yeah, I, you know, a lot of businesses just run those promotions just for one day to give themselves a big old pat on the back. Like, look at us. We support veterans. Yeah, absolutely, man. And it's like the the more that we're, st we're stuck in this box of trying to support each other instead of, of supporting each other, like supporting each other within the community instead of supporting each other to thrive outside of the community, we just end up putting ourselves more locked in that box. where all of our civilian competition, which it is the, the world's a market. There's there's competition in everything. If you're single, you're you're there's there's competition for for a potential wife and how you are with other single males. There's competition in your industry in your in your business. There's it's it's the world is just a competitive place, right? So the more you're stuck in this veteran box and you're not adapting to our environment, um, the more that you're getting surpassed. Like this this has been a huge for me in the past year that have really opened my eyes. Like I used to, for example, we talk about social media platforms. I used to despise Instagram. I used to never I used to laugh whenever I see like a girl taking a picture or like her boyfriend's taking a picture or or whatever. And I took a personal branding course last year that completely opened up my eyes to how ignorant I was. Like I was so ignorant, like like prideful ignorance over something that was so important. All because partly because of some of the, you know, the things I carried from the military experience that I had to shed. But like it's and I see it like constantly, constantly, constantly. But um, like overall, that's the, that's some one thing I'm really big on and it's very unpopular. You know, that's it's something when it does these topics do come up in the, in the military community. Um, but I don't care anymore. It needs to be said. It needs to be shared. It needs to be adopted. And, and people that may be listening right now need to man, man this guy's probably a real jerk, but really think. You know, if, if you're if you think that you're holding on to the military experience too much or if if you think that it's you're holding on too much of uh, excuse me, if that makes up too much more of, of your identity, um, you, you probably need to uh, do some soul searching and, and, and get comfortable with with being uncomfortable again. Yeah, don't don't be the I'm the veteran who happens to do this for a job. 
exactly. be the person who does this who happens to be a veteran. Exact words. That's perfect. And you know, another uh, as, you're, as you're talking about this stuff, I can't help but to ask. You took over the Veteran Tribe and Aware Council from Stephen Kuhn and Lane Ballone, and they wrote the book Unleash Your Humble, Humble. Alpha. Mm-hmm. Have you read that book? Um, I have not, to be honest with you. You, you definitely need to read that book yeah. because I always got from Stephen that he kind of felt uh, very similar mm-hmm. that we need to end the stigma and yeah. the perception of veterans to, to, the, to our civilian yeah. counterparts. We need to change the narrative that we're mm-hmm. not all broken down, beat down, leeches of the system, you know, that we're, we're useless. We're just old, discarded and useless that we can go achieve great things. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at uh, uh, what's his name? Vincent Vargas. He's on uh, uh, that Sons of Anarchy spinoff show, The Mayans. Mm-hmm. He's an actor. Rob Riggle is a Marine. You know, mm-hmm. like there are super successful people who've served. Yeah. You know, they break that stigma. We're not all just a bunch of broken down people living living off the, the government and needing handouts and stuff like that. And that, some people need that. Some people are on, on hard times, but anyway, yeah. you should read the Lane's book. It's, 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 it was very eye-opening. I've had some conversations with Steven um, and obviously I'm very, you know, well aware of him. We, we see eye to eye on a lot of stuff. Um, I just haven't gotten a time to, uh, to read it, you know, but um, Steven's There's a great example. Yeah. <laughs> you just listen to it. Like I did. Yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Steven's a great example of, uh, I mean, at his age and and where he's at, like he really he really walks the walk, right? Um, you know, because I think uh, uh, I can get, oh, we're getting on time, but I mean, I when you pursue the entrepreneurial route, military or not, you tend to get so wrapped up in chasing the money because of how stressful it is, and you can only handle so much mentally in that in the problem solving process of making money or growing a business. But you still you tend to forget the uh, the mental and spiritual side, which sounds like I used to hear these these messages, and I used to be like, yeah, whatever, um, or be very cliche at times, depending on who it's coming from. Um, but it's it's something that is very very true. That's why Stephen really preaches like a lot of the fitness stuff, like because it's true. Like I I I was like fifty pounds heavier um about uh, as recent as like two years ago and i'm still like i still got you know about 15 pounds to go but you're it's amazing how how much correlation there is between everything between money your mental you know your your physical health and your mental health and even your spiritual health so which it's 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 something that I ignored for too many years that is very, very important to an overall happy life, because what's the point of being a veteran entrepreneur or an entrepreneur if you get to that point and you say, what what was it all for? I couldn't agree more. I've been kind of on a similar journey myself. Now, the the physical part of it, <laughs> I haven't done a great job of, I must admit, but I've been into that you know mindset. Just put yourself in a better mindset be in a mindset to grow, to learn, to work harder, to push harder, but also take mm-hmm. care of your family, quality of lifetime. But, you know, what, I guess you could say hacks, you know, what can you do in your life to make your job easier, smoother, faster, more efficient, you know? And, you know, it's like I started taking focus factor as pills. Mm-hmm. Seems to work. I don't know. Maybe it's a placebo effect, <laughs> you know, but it's like, okay, that and my joint issues. All right. So I take some supplements for that. Maybe that'll help, you know? Need to get out there and walk more. Try and I, I only drink water and coffee for the most part. Occasionally, I'll have a soda mm-hmm. if I'm out and about at a restaurant or something like that. So it's like 
little changes just to make yourself better physically, mentally, spiritually. Um, there's a lot of things you can do spiritual that doesn't have to be like religious. going to church. Right. Yeah. yeah it doesn't have to be religious. Yeah. That, that's a good way of putting it. You know, you can do yoga. Even the VA offers that through their whole health mm -hmm. program. You can do yoga and Tai Chi, I think. Yeah. So like there's options out there that are free and you can do them with other vets. Yeah. So it's very true, but it's depending on what that what stage you're at and your in your journey. Like you don't want to hear this stuff, and I get it because I at my there's times in my journey where I didn't want to hear this stuff either. I was like, okay, yeah, whatever, hippie. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but it's true. I learned whole of some of the people in our circles. I would be willing to bet warrior council. I bet if I put a poll out there, mm -hmm. I bet whoever responds to it, an overwhelming majority, have put a focus into one or more of those categories: physical, spiritual, um, mental. Mental, you know, yep. if not all of them, but then you, again, we you know their yeah. journeys too. So I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, but you know, I know some of them are. So yeah, it's very, very true. But yep. um, so for those that don't want to hear it, you heard it here. <laughs> <laughs> Work on that shit. Take, take it from us. That's 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 walk the walk and didn't have the same support system online as uh as you guys do. You know, it's it blows my mind how much resources are at anybody's fingertips today to be successful it is like i i don't know about you man but when i got out 2008 i was so committed to like i i, I had such a problem with authority which is ironic because i was able to get e5 in four years but I, I have such a problem with authority like i didn't want to get a job i didn't want to stay in a job for very long after i got out like i went and i went to the bookstore and my GI Bill housing allowance just hit. And I went and I bought every single Rich Dad or Robert Kiyosaki book and all of his Good Rich one. Dad advisor books about the entire collection. And I read like, because this was back then, like there wasn't online communities. There wasn't like online coaching. There wasn't like, like it's just too easy now. Like I can, yeah, reading, reading books are important, but there's so many, I say this with a caveat, but there's so many resources and, and even coaching programs that you can buy from other people that are credible. And I say this as a caveat because you got to make sure you get it from a credible source. But like, you, you know, like anything that you want is really at your fingertips to learn about. And even if you're like me and you only retain or can find useful 10 or 15% of what the, the content was, it's still viable because it still makes you a more wise business person or a wise person in general. You know, like they, we didn't have that back then. Like, yeah, you didn't have YouTube in its current state. I mean, it was around, but about that time when I, I got out in 2010, I think about uh, not 2011. And so, you know, it's 2012, 2013, I think is when I started, mm -hmm. you know, discovering Gary Vaynerchuk videos. Yeah. You know, so, and he had been around for a few years, but he's only exploded in popularity since then. And there's other people out there. Yeah. And, and YouTube University is free. <laughs> All you gotta do is just let your fingers do the do the searching. It's true. So. It is. It's it, there's almost information overload at times, but it, it is true. There's never been a time where you have this much, uh, you know, resources at your fingertips. Like you used to have it, but back in the day, like inter the internet was full of uh, cat videos. But now that it's really, you know, it, it's really evolved to where there's any topic under the sun um, is is there and. Uh, Fun irony about YouTube is I do you remember back in the day the Numa Numa videos with the guy that yes. was going like this. So I do, I do remember that. I, I had a digital camera uh, when I was in Iraq, and a, a buddy of mine recorded me like I was bored as hell sitting in the Humvee 
and I was uh, I did like the Numa Numa dance. We were playing it on a speaker. I uploaded it to YouTube in the early days of YouTube. And back then, I think it was like 400,000 views or, or 200,000. I don't know what it was, but it was like it was a lot for back then. Um, yeah, that would be- I, I actually got an email when I was like about to leave Iraq from uh, YouTube saying asking me to test pilot their influencer program because of the, the impressions that I had on my page. And I literally said it could uh, there's chances to get monetization. And I looked at it and I'm like 21 years old. And I like this email. I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. looks and like I a scam. Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and here like, I am looking at Jake Paul and all these other, yeah. like these YouTubers and shit. And I'm just like, oh man. Man, I mean, you had I your Nigerian prince right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in the flesh, man. Yeah. No, that'd be crazy. That, that was, um, yeah. Back in the day, those things were like really viral. Yeah. You know, yeah. Now some, something goes viral and it seems like it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's gone tomorrow or next week. It's like the Numa Numa and that, some of those memes that were floating around about 10, 12 years ago, like they were, they mm-hmm. were reused and used everywhere forever for years. Yeah. If you want a good laugh, just, just Google Marine Numa Numa and I'll pop up. So <laughs> well, maybe I might look it up and it might make yeah. it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> might just do that. so man all right marshall i I appreciate you stopping by there's a lot of good nuggets in there and sharing you know what some of your vision is with the uh the tribe and the warrior council Mm -hmm. i'll have those linked in the show notes too so people can find it i highly suggest anybody who's really serious about their business to consider joining the warrior council i did it about two years ago the connections and the networks while i'm in real estate they're in totally other businesses we don't really collaborate much but just to learn just to hear other people's issues, you know, inventory issues. Not, I mean, okay, there's real estate inventory issues now, but you know, during the pandemic, things mm-hmm. getting stopped on shipping containers coming through. Things that I would never think of in my business. It would never really affect my business. It was very interesting to hear about. It's it's free education. There's always people willing to be sometimes way too blunt mm-hmm. <laughs> and tell you what you what you really need to hear, but you don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. I've had that a few times. Shout out to Travis Johnson. He's given me plenty of those. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's, it's great for people who want to take their you know business and be serious about it and be connected with other like-minded people. So, yeah, it's amazing what you can learn um, from not a, like direct collabor- like collaboration or doing business with each other, but just what you can take from someone else's industry or business and you could actually modify it and apply it to yours. You know, uh, for example, uh, I know we're ending here, but, um, you know, early on, I was lucky enough to be um, at a dinner with some commercial real estate agents and I, and I, not agents, excuse me, uh, landlords. And one of them was talking about how he likes to invest money into the, uh, a restaurant pad that's on his property. So he can actually be an investor into the restaurant that is going to be on his commercial property because it's the biggest square footage or the biggest footprint because he has an influence to make sure that the rent check comes because he's essentially paying himself. So it's a way that he, and he, he's always a minority position or, um, or majority position, but a, a but a passive way. Um, and it's, it's a, it was a way for him to guarantee that that rent check comes in from his biggest, um, you know, plot of, or, 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 or space on his, on his commercial properties. And I thought that was genius. And I've actually applied some of that to my, how I structured my retail business. So it was a perfect example of how, a completely different industry from just a conversation. I was able to pick up and 
and kind of modify and, and apply it and ended up being a pivotal um, thing that I learned and how I structured my company to where, uh, where the reason why I have so much um, freedom of schedule that I do. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's a great example. And I, I think there's a lot of that stuff that goes in there, yeah. but well, once again, I appreciate you stopping by and sharing. So yeah. any, any last words for, just uh, if you're a veteran entrepreneur, go to uh, vetpreneurtribe.com or search us on Facebook. Um, and if you if you'd like to talk with me, I'm I'm, I'm very much an open book. Um, the best way to contact me is going to be on Instagram. It's just Marshall Taren on Instagram, um, and you can find me, shoot me a DM, and I'd, I'd love to uh, to chat with you. Awesome. Thanks for being here, Marshall. Yeah. Take care. All right, there you have it, folks. Remember, my website's got all kinds of resources on there, battlebuddypodcast.net. If there's something that's not on there that you think should be, go make sure you email me, battlebuddypodcast at gmail. A national suicide hotline number, if you are struggling or know somebody struggling, the number is now 988-PRESS-1, or you can text 838-255.